Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Today, uh, Doreen Virtue is joining me, and we are going to talk about uh, Jesus Calling. And just to kick us off here, um, I did a bit of research on this, and according to, uh, as of this recording, uh, which um, is 2023, uh, in March of 2022, Publishers Weekly lets us know that 40 million copies of Jesus Calling have been sold that's a that's a lot of copies and 10 million uh there's 10 million downloads of the jesus calling podcast uh they're in talks for a third jesus calling television series that first launched in 2020 it airs on the circa cable network uh there's a they have a free jesus calling magazine at mardell um it's a retail chain that has 38 locations uh, Thomas Nelson is in talks with Zulily to sell Jesus Calling on its e-commerce uh, website. So this is a very popular book, and it's also a growing brand. They, uh, I was reading also in that announcement from Publishers Weekly, and uh, they have a dedicated publicist, a uh, brand publicist, since Sarah Young, I guess, has some health issues, and so um she can't do interviews and such or any sort of pr promotion because of her health and so uh, this is a growing thing and it's something that we need to be aware of so doreen and i wanted to do an episode on this so welcome back doreen thanks dave hi everyone uh this is a topic that is deeply concerning to me having grown up with a false jesus who was like a teddy bear a wish granter uh, best friend. Jesus is our friend, but he is our Lord, our King, our Savior. He is the creator. And Jesus calling teaches a different Jesus. So I'm extremely concerned that people are following this feel-good, soft, false Jesus from Jesus calling, because that's what most of my life was. I thought I was saved. I, I Let me back up. I didn't know about salvation, but I thought I was a Christian. Growing up in Christian science, I read the Bible. Growing up, I had a King James Version. We went to church twice a week. But I was following a Jesus who was here to make me feel good, to heal my illnesses. That's what I was taught Jesus was. And Jesus calling is another false Jesus, similar to the false Jesus you find in Mormonism, that you find in cults. And he is, so therefore, he's either a figment of Sarah Young's imagination, or he's a demon. And I kind of go toward the latter because when I was a new age teacher, as you know, Dave, before I was saved, um, mercifully by God, I was a new age teacher, but I was, I thought I was a Christian new age teacher because I used Christian language. I would always talk about Jesus. I had Jesus <clears throat> cards. I had an app with channeled messages from Jesus that it was said, it was marketed that Jesus was texting you. 
I mean, really blasphemous. And the Jesus that I was channeling in the New Age is identical to Sarah Young's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, the background of this is in 2004, uh, this book first came out. It's been many editions. It changes every time, which should mm-hmm. give any Bible-believing Christian pause because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't mm-hmm. change. This book contradicts the Bible in many mm-hmm. places. Uh, he, this, this Jesus of Sarah Young, who, if she's having health issues, we need to be praying for her to repent and renounce publicly this book. Like I've renounced all my old books and that old app. They need to be uh, done. So, G- so Jesus Calling was um, the invention of Sarah Young after she read this book. God Calling, which is an openly metaphysical New Age channeled book, similar to Neil Donald Walsh's uh, Conversations with God. And Sarah Young said that this she read God Calling and that the Bible wasn't sufficient for her, which, again, red flag, because we know the Bible is sufficient. We know it's God-breathed. We know it's, it's, it's given to us as God's word, his inerrant word. So Sarah Young, after reading God Calling, a metaphysical channeled book, she decided to, she called that book, God Calling, a treasure in her first edition of Jesus Calling. She took that mention out after the next printing when it, when Christians went after her and confronted her. So Thomas Nelson and I, and they are my publisher too. And I was so blessed to have a Bible-believing Baptist editor when I went through Thomas Nelson. Mm. We have to remember that so-called Christian publishers are businesses. They don't have theologians going through um, the book. I happen to, because I had an editor that by God's providence was um, a a daughter of a Baptist minister. She was uh, a Baptist herself. And so she helped me go through my my book and with a fine tooth comb. Uh, There's still some things she didn't find that I found later. But anyway... Uh, they're letting Jesus Calling be published because it makes them money. Same with books on the Enneagram, uh, because it bottom line, it's it's a business. So I want to recommend a couple of resources. Um, I find that most people who've read the Bible, immediately the Holy Spirit convicts them to not read Jesus Calling, just like they get convicted not to watch that false Jesus show called The Chosen. And they listen to that conviction. But they need resources for their friends. So two resources are Another Jesus Calling by Warren B. Smith. And also he's got a little um, a booklet called 10 Scriptural Reasons Why Jesus Calling is a Dangerous Book. I know that you and I both have um, Tim Chalice's 10 Reasons Not to Read Jesus Calling. I've got it on my DoreenVirtue.com website. You've got it there to reference. Um, and so there's a lot of material to help if you've got friends involved with Jesus Calling. This one is an excellent book. It's called Christian Journaling or Psychic Channeling. And this book um, was written by a woman who went through and compared the messages in Jesus Calling to what New Age books have. And I just want to preface this by saying that I, before I was saved, and I'm not boasting, this is actually a burden for me. I had over 70 books and cards in 38 languages. And most of those materials, I was very prolific, was by using the same process as Sarah Young, where I would sit and I would pray and I would ask for a message to come through. And because I was a secretary um, back in the old days, I, I took dictation by this 
old machine called Dictaphone, where you had the earplugs and a foot presser, like a sewing machine foot presser. And I would listen to my boss's voice and I would type what he or she was saying. That was my job. So I learned how to type almost 100 words a minute just so I could get through everything quickly. And I used that skill to write over these 70 books and cards before I was saved. Now, unfortunately, some people are still selling them. I'm asking people to throw them away or burn them. They're heretical. They, they're dangerous spiritually, as are all New Age books, including this New Age book. It's not Christian. I'm horrified that Mardell is distributing this and that uh, Christian book and, and all these so-called Christian places are distributing a new age book under the guise that it is the real Jesus. It's not, but this shows and your books, Dave really are so encouraging for people to read their Bible. If people would just read their Bible, they could easily see that Jesus calling is a false Jesus. It's not the Jesus who came to earth, born of a virgin, lived fully God and fully man as a sinless person, as the second member of our Godhead of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus took on flesh so that he could take our sins, take our punishment for our sins, the wrath that we all deserve because we're all sinners, Romans 3.23. And he died a painful, horrible crucifixion death so that he could take on the punishment that we deserved and then impute us with his sinless righteousness. And then mm -hmm. after he died and was buried three days later, he rose from the dead. People, hundreds of people saw him, ate with him, touched him, heard him. He wasn't a spirit. He was physical Jesus risen from the dead. And then he ascended and he's at the right hand of the father God and he will return as promised. And everything is prophesied in the Bible. That's not the Jesus of Jesus calling. The Jesus of Jesus calling tells you things that he never told, like to empty yourself. He tells you to stare into his eyes like a romantic boyfriend would, but also that's something that's very occultic that is part of a hypnotist does that, stare into my eyes. And so he's, he's hypnotizing people, this demon pretending to be Jesus that Sarah Young has either consciously or unconsciously sold to, what is it, 80 million people? Uh, 40 million so far. 40 million. It's so sad. I mean, it's easier to read Jesus Calling than it is the Bible, obviously. I, I know you and Sarah, your wife and, and my husband and I, we read the Bible every single day. Yes, and sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it's, you know, you're, you're getting through it and you're, it's not as easy as other days. And it'd be mm -hmm. so much easier to flip open a, a fluffy devotional that tells you that, you know what, gosh, darn it, you're a good person. And I love you no matter what. And, you know, that's what Jesus calling is stroking the ego saying, you know, you're good, keep doing it. But that's not Jesus. Jesus calls us to repentance. Mm. Yeah, you you brought up a lot of good points in in her book. She says she talks about this. She wanted to have she wanted to she decided to listen to God with a pen in hand. She write wrote down whatever he was saying. And then she felt awkward at first, she says, but I received a message. It was a short biblical and appropriate, she says. And it addressed topics that were in my life, trust, fear, and closeness to God. And then she wrote those down in her prayer journal. But as you said, that's that's exactly what you experienced yeah. in engaging in automatic writing. You just kind of emptied yourself and you're just a channel for demonic forces. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and so. the demons are evil geniuses. I mean, they 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 don't hold anything back. They they mix in truth with lies. And so I'm sure that's how they got to Sarah, as they gave her a little bit of truth and then mixed it in with lies. The number one um, pushback I get when I talk about Jesus calling is from people who say, but but she's got Bible passages at the bottom, but she doesn't actually have the passage though. She just has the notation. So it might say Matthew 18.5. And then I have to ask the person, well, did you actually go to Matthew 18.5 and compare what she so-called said, Jesus said? No. It made me feel safe though, that she said Matthew 18, five at the, at the bottom. And that's, isn't that just like the devil? Mm, yeah. I mean, we have to remember the devil quoted scripture to Jesus and his temptation in the wilderness. And Jesus you know? quoted it back. Jesus quoted it back to him. And right. of course he's the son of God saying it is written. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote it. <laughs> he wrote it. Yeah. It's really good. Anyway, so Jesus calling is not redeemable. I know people sometimes argue about Christian liberty, that it can do what they want, but Christian liberty does not give us freedom to drink with the cup of demons or eat with the, the, the demons when we're trying to drink with the, the, from the cup of the Lord, um, to kind of take 2 Corinthians there. Um, it's, we are called to obedience, and it's not because we're saved by obedience, we know that we're saved by God's mercy and his grace through our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Mm. But once we're saved, we're given this new heart and this desire to please God, to honor God. We're told to glorify God with our bodies. So by picking up this book, we're not glorifying God with our bodies. We're glorifying a false Jesus. Jesus himself warned that in the end times, there would be all sorts of false Christs. Look over here, look over here. And so we as Christians need to be on guard. And discerning against false Christ. And the Apostle John, who was arguably the closest friend, earthly friend to Jesus, was with him at the Transfiguration, uh, you know, Gethsemane. He was he's so close to Jesus. And he wrote in one of his letters, first John in chapter four, that we need to test the spirits. We need to compare them to the biblical Jesus. We need to see are they confessing Jesus that he was fully man and fully God. And we can't just take someone at their word that this is Jesus. There's yeah, it's, it's not Jesus. I can just absolutely tell everyone with a hundred percent certainty, Jesus calling is a false Jesus who will lead you away from the true Jesus. And if you're not saved could lead you to hell. So mm -hmm. even if it makes you feel good, it doesn't matter. My old, my old angel cards made people feel good. My old angel cards seem to work. They seem to have some truth to them. You know, I have a card that says forgiveness. Yeah, forgiveness is biblical. But what else does it say? What else does Jesus calling say? What is that truth mixed in with the lies? Just like the serpent did in Genesis 3. Yeah, well, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, you know, that people will be lovers of self. And, you know, they'll be, they'll want itching. Oh, no, He'll, he says that, that there'll be people that want it, their ears itched, excuse me. And you know what? That's exactly what this kind of thing does. And it's why you have to be so careful about what we read and what we input. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, that we're to think on what is noble and good and true. What is that? It's in the Bible. It's in the word of God. And so we have to do what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and to test all things and hold fast to what is good. 
and this is not holding uh, reading something like Jesus Calling or something else is is not doing that. It's not thinking of what's noble and good. Now, it's it's doing the opposite of that. It's it's uh, you know thinking on what is not true and what is not good. And um, it's uh, we're not supposed to be captive. We're supposed to be captive to the Word of God, Second Corinthians ten uh, five. And uh, to destroy arguments that raise themselves against the knowledge of God. And that that's the, the what this is, is the opposite of that. It's, you know, Jesus calling is something else, something other than what we're to hold to. We're all to hold to the word of God. We're to believe it and to, you know, drink and to, you know, to take it in and to meditate on it and uh, to feed on the word of, of God that he's given to us. And so, no, you can't enjoy any Christian that enjoys Jesus calling needs to ask themselves, are you really a Christian? Because that's the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants for you. The Holy Spirit wants to take that word that you read and you hear and you study and you hear preached, and he wants to drive it home into your life. Um, and so Jesus calling could never be, should never be satisfying to a Christian. It's so true. And it's very much marketed to women. And there's unfortunately so much false theology that is given to women. And and a lot of it is these devotionals. So I just want to say to any sisters who are watching this, listening to this, a devotional is not a substitute for reading your Bible. A devotional, if it's solid, I mean, there are some solid ones by C.H. Spurgeon. I really like his work. Uh, Alistair Begg has one that's very good. Um, there's the Valley of Visions, another good one I'd recommend, but there's more than that of the devotionals out there are, they'll mislead you. They'll, mm. they'll lull you into complacency and you'll think, well, that's okay. I, I read the Bible maybe because it has one verse on that page of the devotional. Uh, so many devotionals written by false teachers like Joyce Meyer, Beth Moore. And just because you know, I, I just want to say this, and I can say it because I'm a woman. So I can, you might be get pushback, but the creation order is that man was created first and woman second. And in the Garden of Eden, it was the woman who was deceived and led to the fall of humanity. Thanks, Eve. And and so, and even Apostle John talks about this in one of his letters that women will invite in a false teacher into their home. I think because we're emotional. And, you know, maybe it's because we have that nonverbal communication with our babies. I don't know why women are more easily deceived, but I do know that when I was a new age teacher, 90% of the people in my audiences were women. My books and cards were read by women um, when I would do yoga classes. And you and I have videos out on yoga that it's not just stretching and stretching's fine but yoga is not fine. It's a Hindu worship practice. About And I did yoga for about 20 years and the yoga classes were almost all women. Mm -hmm. So we, I think us women, we just, we get hooked much more easily than men do. And, uh, and so it's just, it, it's very frightening that women uh, are being misled like this, especially at this time in our history when so many people are dying and we need to make sure that they're saved by the real Jesus. Of course, that's God's will. We can't do anything, but we can share the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. And we can pray for women to compare the Jesus calling to the Bible um, 
And let's just, why don't we do that? Why don't we just take a few passages and compare them to the Bible? Sure. February 28th of Jesus Calling, 2004 edition, uh, Sarah Young says that this voice tells her, stop judging and evaluating yourself, for this is not your role. Stop judging and evaluating yourself, for this is not your role. So, I mean, I don't even have to read the rest of it because we're supposed to take an inventory of ourselves. We're right. And so she's got Luke 637 as her proof text. I'm I'm pulling that up. Okay. And she says in the same page, when I discipline you, it is never in anger or disgust. It is to prepare you for face-to-face fellowship with me throughout all eternity. You said Luke. Yeah, Luke 637. So that passage says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. It's probably one of the most twisted passages in scripture is judge not, right? We get that yeah. pushback yeah. a lot. Absolutely. And I mean, it's, Jesus Jesus is talking about the hypocritical kind of judgment, because we see that in, in uh, we see the real kind of judgment, if if we want to be really honest, in, in you know, about church discipline in, in 1 Corinthians 5. In six, Paul Paul does engages in that kind of doctrinal discernment um, and judgment, and so this kind of judgment that Jesus is talking about—the judge not lest you be judged—is the hypocritical judgment of the Pharisees, not that we're never mm-hmm. to engage in in um, in judging, you know, th- what people believe, and you know, we have to be careful about that because we do need to engage what people say. And that's the that's the concern there. And the concern is so that they don't go, they they come back and from the air that they were in, um, but the not to judge them wrongly, uh, but to judge them rightly based on yeah. what the scripture says. And that has nothing to do with the so-called Jesus saying, stop judging and evaluating yourself when we're told in the Bible to examine yourself. Right. Right. And you know, what does Psalm 139 say about, you know, look at my heart, God, and and if there's anything in me that's upsetting you, that's offending you, please cleanse it. We're constantly being asked to uh, have our hearts cleansed and examine ourselves. So anyway, so her Jesus, if he does any uh, repentance calls, it's repentance light. Uh, this Jesus basically wants to tell you, gosh, darn it, you're a good person and have a good day. And who wouldn't think that feels, I mean, wouldn't that be nice if that was a sense, but that's, that's on the other side of heaven when there's no sin. Amen. And of course we know that Jesus work on the cross is, is finished. We know that our debts are paid for by his blood on the cross. Uh, However, we still continue to sin because of our flesh nature and we still need to keep repenting. So the danger of his, of Sarah Young's Jesus giving you a, a pass on everything is that you will, uh, as you know, people will escalate into sin if they think everything's allowed. And this is that antinomianism that people go into when they think it's Christian liberty, Christian freedom, or, you know, my Jesus calling book is the same as the Bible. And it says that I'm a good person. And I can keep going what I'm doing. And then that person just continues on their sin path. Uh, and and Paul says in Romans six eleven, um, if you're in Christ, if if you're regenerated, if you're regenerate, um, he says in Romans six eleven. So you must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. 
Um, and then he goes on and tells us uh, in verse 12 of Romans 6, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Um, because we were not slaves, we're no longer slaves to sin, we're slaves to righteousness. And so, in, in fact, in Romans 8, Paul talks about the work of the Spirit uh, some 10 times and in helping us to put to death our our sin and to grow in in Christ. And so living however we want to live, as Paul says in, in verse 1 of Romans 6, it's it's totally the opposite of what Christ has done for us. And so we should not live how we want to live because we belong to God. And we're actually doubly owned by virtue of him being creator and our Lord and Savior. So we should never live how we want to live. We should never do want to do what we want to do because we've been given these new desires and affections for the glory of Christ. And so uh, we should desire more of the glory of Christ. And as Owen once talked about, uh, the painted he he would use this imagery of the painted glories the the pursuit of the world should fade away the more that we're uh, treasuring Christ and honoring Him and obeying Him uh, of course by the grace of God through the means of grace and those types of things um, but uh, yeah we should <laughs> Paul this is this is really important Romans six eleven you must consider yourself dead to sin alive to God in Christ that's because we have a new identity in him, we can we can put to death um, our sin. And because Colossians 3 tells us, um, of course, that uh, we we that we're we're no longer in the old man, we're in the new man, we're in Christ. And so we can put off the old man and put on the new man because of our union with Christ. And so Amen. Yeah, this is there's just so many problems with Jesus calling. And again, I know it's a feel good book. And um, a lot of people in the new age, Pastor Dave used to tell me that they were Catholics, or they were Christians, and they left because the church made them they said it made them feel bad about themselves, they felt guilty, they felt afraid. And so they went to the new age, because, you know, it does stroke your ego, it tells you that you're um, perfect, whole, and complete. It tells you that God loves you no matter what, and just focuses. It's very much like progressive Christ, so-called Christianity. God is love, and there, and that whole hell bit. That's just a myth that the Roman Catholic Church made up to control us, you know. And so I can see people who were not saved and who all they heard was the gospel as the bad news when they were in church, maybe their pastor didn't preach the good news enough, didn't, you know, emphasize that, look at what Jesus did for us. I mean, we were hell bound, all of us, but because God's, God loved us so much, he sent his only begotten son to die in our place. And I mean, it's horrible Jesus died, but praise the Lord for this love that allows us to have eternal life. And so maybe these folks didn't hear the full gospel. A lot of churches don't preach the full gospel. And so then they go to these you know, hokey things like the chosen and false revivals and Jesus calling because they just want that Christian ease, but they don't want the repentance. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. And as you're talking, it makes me think, you know, we're, we're, we've had this whole idea of self love and there's this, even this, if you look at the top Christian books like Jesus calling and, you know, the evangelical Christian publishers association and the, top Christian podcasts under uh, Apple podcasts under, you know, Christianity, 
they're all essentially that they're all self-help make me feel good they place me at the me at the center and um that's not what the bible says at, at all um that's not me that is placed at the center jonah 2 9 tells that, that salvation is of the lord you know and if it's of the lord then it's not of me i can't make myself um happy and and whole and well um, because I Jeremiah 17 11 tells us very clearly, or is it nine? Jeremiah, yeah, I think it's Jeremiah 17 11, that the heart is uh, desperately wicked. Uh three times in in Romans 3, you know, it talks about the the tongue and the heart and our and our words and how all three of those things are depraved. You think about, you know, the heart and the tongue. I mean, these are these are Jesus talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so until the heart is made new and alive to God, as we've talked about, there's there's no way um, that that we won't love ourselves. Romans 1 is very clear about that. Um, you know, we will love ourselves. We will pursue what we love because we can't help it. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God set eternity on our hearts. And so until the heart is satisfied and knows God as revealed in the word of the, the Lord, the scriptures, then, you know, we will not, we will not, we will not satisfy, be satisfied as the psalmist in Psalm 1611 says that God promises pleasures forevermore. We won't be satisfied in those pleasures. We will always be satisfied with something else, some sort of self-help uh, or self-love uh, kind of thing. And that's what we see. That's what we it, it it really discourages me. It makes me very sad um to see Christians deviating uh when we have 66 books and it's enough. It is enough. And so I'm not discouraging anybody from reading good and godly books, but I am discouraging you from reading ungodly books like Jesus Calling, because you know, they will absolutely, as you said, and you're right, they'll lead you to hell. Yeah. They will. And so you have to evaluate books biblically and rightly for what they are. And, you know, being discerning is a command. Um, it's not a it's not an opposition to what a Christian is to do. It is actually what Christians are to do. Right. Um, and the fact that the fact that we even have to say that out loud, it shows how far that we've deviated from the biblical expectation uh, for contending for the faith. This isn't. Some people would say this is hate speech. Well, this came out, as you said, 2004. It's been revised. So why are we even talking about it? We're talking about it because 40 million people have bought this book. And if that's not enough for you to be concerned about it, then you should do some assessment in, for yourself mm -hmm. um, and and consider what what why you might be so, so upset at Doreen and I for still talking about it. I don't think anybody that listens to equipping and grace or follow service grace would be terribly upset at me talking about us i think they would be like finally you're talking about it uh and you should have talked about it a lot sooner <laughs> but at the same time you know it's something that has concerned me for a a long time and you know not just and not just jesus calling it's this self-help pop psychology nonsense um, that really is rooted in, I'll say it this way, in an integrationist, uh, integrationist view of Christian counseling um, that mixes the world and, and the Bible. And you cannot mix 
You cannot mix. The Bible forbids you from mixing worldly philosophy uh, with scripture. God, God is not mocked by that. He is not. We we are to test. That's why he says we are to test all things and hold fast to what is good. We're to reject. That means that we're to reject what is not good, what is not coming from the Bible. Um, and so, um, yeah, hold fast to the Bible. Hold fast to it. Um, you know, there's all sorts of, uh, Paul says in Colossians 2, 8, that there's all sorts of worldly philosophies that would hold you cap- would seek to hold you captive. Don't be captive to those world philosophies. Identify them. Yes, know what they are and reject them um, because you believe the Bible. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're not trying to ruin anyone's fun. I know that I knew a woman who was thinking Jesus was like her boyfriend. She would read Jesus calling and then she would imagine holding his hand as she was driving to work every morning. And I mean, he is the good shepherd. He's with us always unto the end of time, but he's not our boyfriend. He's not our buddy. He is our Lord, our Savior, our King. And he said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Mm -hmm. So we just need to be very careful. He also never contradicts himself. And um, the statement that Jesus changes what he says in each printing should give someone pause. And so we know that Jesus does not contradict himself. We know as much as people try to find contradictions in the Bible, it is one book with four, um, 44 different authors over four continents that is just completely cohesive from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21. It's just complete. Is it 22 or 21? Revelation has 22 chapters. So we know it's cohesive from start to finish. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So take a look at this. Listen to this, Pastor Dave, and and let me know what's wrong with this. So in the 2004 edition on January 28th, Sarah Young, so-called Jesus, said, I am with you always. These were the last words I spoke before ascending into heaven. What's wrong with that statement? The problem with that is is that uh, the order is wrong. Jesus said in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, I am with you always. In Acts uh, 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so she gets the order wrong. And so right off the bat in the first edition, Sarah Young gets Jesus wrong. And so she got enough pushback. I think in 2004, there was probably more people reading their Bibles than there are today. And so people complained. And so she she updated it so that it was different in the next edition. Well, uh, Jesus changed his mind. Uh-uh, I don't think so. That's another giant red flag, folks, that this is not the real Jesus and that this book should not only be marked and avoided, but should be burned like all occult books should be burned. Yeah, Titus 1-2 says God never lies. Uh, like you cited the passage from Hebrews 13, uh, which is references the immutability of God, that God doesn't change. God cannot change because God is consistent and God, we would say God is consistent and God is coherent, meaning that God always acts in accordance with his revealed character and his revealed will, which is in the Bible. And so God cannot act um, inconsistently with right. his revealed character. If he does, then he's not holy and he's not good and he's not just. And of course, we we see this whole idea out there um, that 
that in fact it was one of the leading things that the Ligonier state of theology suggested that Americans believe is that God does change. And so this view but Jesus calling on this is actually heresy. And I don't use that. I don't use that term. Um, I don't just throw that out there. It actually is heresy. It doesn't accord both with scripture and with what the church has taught. And so by definition, then it is heresy. It absolutely is. It's a false Jesus. And we want to make sure that when we die, we don't go to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? And then he says, away from me, you worker of inequity. I never knew you because we were following a false Jesus. That would be the saddest thing in the world to think you're following Jesus and to be pushed away into the lake of fire at the judgment because you weren't following Jesus. So check this out. So uh, January 28th, she had said, I am with you always. These were the last words I spoke before ascending into heaven. Sarah Young gets pushed back and miraculously at the 10th anniversary, the next edition, uh, she writes, she updates it. I am with you always. I spoke these words to my disciples after my resurrection. So it goes it goes from Acts to Matthew 28, just like that. Yeah. That's not Jesus. No. But she's proof she's proof te- texting and cherry picking. Yes. And, like, and twisting. And twisting, yeah. Yeah. So here's another one. October 15th in the original edition, uh, her demon Jesus said, Try to stay conscious of me as you go step by step through this day. My presence with you is both a promise and a protection. My final statement just before I ascended into heaven was, surely I'm with you always. This promise was for all my followers without exception. Okay. So now the she got pushback and it replaced it with, try to stay conscious of me as you go step by step through this day. My presence with you is both a promise and a protection. So that's the same. This is what she changed. After my resurrection, I assured my followers, surely I'm with you always. So, I mean, what gall is that to try to put words in the mouth of our Lord and Savior? That's no fear of God at all. I'm, I'm, I'm frightened for Sarah Young's soul yeah. if she doesn't repent. I think, I think, again, it goes back to this idea that God changes. If God changes, then um, I can make up whatever I want. And I could just put in, insert whatever I want into, and in, in, in say that this is what God says when God never said that. Yeah, and, and, and to change, that. yeah, change the order of, of what, I mean, yeah. you know, we know that, for instance, Luke, he recorded Jesus more of a, um, in, in the theme rather than chronologically. However, once it's in God's word, we're not to rearrange it and reshuffle it like Sarah Young's doing. That's right. Yeah. And that says something about her view of the Bible, really. Yes, it does. You're right. At the end of the day, if you don't believe the Bible and you're you're channeling, as you know, the the demons and you're instead of just taking it and reading it and then explaining it and uh, those things rightly because you believe the Bible, uh, you're always going to get it wrong. You're going to get the order wrong. Um, You're going to rearrange it to suit its suit what you want you're gonna um you know or take part even worse you're gonna take parts out or you're gonna be like many people today want to take parts of the whole bible out because they they're not comfortable with what's in it and so they want to not only re-explain it they want to remove it so that their view can be um you know proclaimed by the church and that's that's heresy as well because the church responded to that as the martian air 
who wanted to actually remove parts of the Bible, which is how he ended up getting the canon of the Bible. Uh, so doctrine, when whenever the church is confronted with, with heresy, the church has responded by clarifying its view of, of what the what scripture actually teaches and what the church has taught. And so this is a good point just to say that because this is actually redefining what who and what God is in their own likeness. That doesn't that sound kind of familiar there for you know just just for a second with me. Um it, it is. It's it, to be serious now. It is. It's it's total twisting. It's satanic. Um, it's it's what Satan wants to do, twist and pervert. We saw it with uh, you know, Jesus engagement, uh or excuse me, uh Satan's engagement with uh Jesus in the desert. Um, you know, when he wanted to twist and pervert the Bible, like you were mentioning earlier. And Jesus just said it is written. It is yeah. written. Yeah. So yeah, this is dangerous stuff. I mean, it's basically uh a prosperity gospel, too. I mean, mm -hmm. this is just like Joel Olstein teaches about name it and claim it, that your words have creative power. It makes it puts you in the God seat. It it elevates man, or in this case, woman, uh, and de-elevates uh Jesus. It it makes him just completely mortal and takes away his divinity the way she's portraying him. Mm. Yeah. It's just I, I just can't emphasize this enough that this is a spiritually dangerous book. No matter how good it makes you feel, no matter how many copies it has sold, get rid of it. Get it out of your house. I have it in my house because I'm using it for research. But once I'm done with the research, this thing will be burned. I've done that with many books. Good. Yeah. Or they go in the trash. Yep. Yeah. Don't sell them or donate them. You don't want to pass the deception along. Uh, but anyway, these again, Warren B. Smith has videos out on YouTube that we should link. Um, he yeah. is he's an amazing resource about this, as is Tim Chalice and this newest book that I know that you've seen also by Brenna Scott. I got uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really good and highly recommended. But she gave us a good favor with this book. Yeah. Well, this was a good episode. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.